1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Okay, so we're going to begin today with the stats for last month, and what about that average price? It is absolutely phenomenal, and Again, we need to qualify it. So the average price right now is a million forty-five four hundred and eighty-eight thousand at the end of February. That's for the month of February. If you look at the average price overall for 2021, we're sitting at a million and fifteen thousand three hundred ninety-two dollars. It's the first time that the average price in the Greater Toronto area has broken the million-dollar mark. So quite a milestone there. It's a milestone for sure, but it must be at least a little discouraging for some first-time buyers out there. It certainly is when you look at it, Tina. And again, we need to qualify it like I had led on earlier. It's because of the change in the mix. So it doesn't mean that if you're looking for a house in the greater Toronto area, you're going to have to pay more than a million dollars. That's not the fact at all. The fact is that with the detached segment really taking off since last June, say, you're looking at the average price climbing because of the shift in the mix from the smaller homes or the higher density homes to the detached homes. The detached homes have significantly taken over the market. And when we say that, instead of selling, you know, 15 or 20% of these homes as part of the mix, now we're selling about 40 to 50% detached homes, which cuts down on the lower ticket items. So it cuts down on the sales for condos. It cuts down on the sales of townhouses. So there's still a lot of great deals out there. The average price is a weighted average. So it's taking into consideration everything that's selling. It takes a total, divides it by the number of units sold, and that's why you're starting to see the average price climb. The other thing is, as we get more inventory and more houses start to sell, you're going to start to see this come down. So right now, we're sitting at a million and fifteen for the year, you're going to start to see that creep downward. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few months it dips back underneath a million dollars because as listings hit and as these listings are able to deliver on the demand that's out there, you're not going to see the 15 or 20 offers that are really driving the price up even for the detached segment. You're going to start to see that level off and then you're going to start to see average price settle down. So if I were to ask you, where do we go from here? Your suggestion would be probably a little bit lower. The average price should be a little bit lower, uh, and all the signs point to that. We're starting to see a bit of a change in the market as well. So buyers, for those of you that are listening right now, this is a great sign for you because as we get more inventory, you're not going to see those bidding wars that had you priced out of the market. Now is your time to scoop a property because there's more inventory. And we had anticipated more inventory as the lockdowns come to an end. That's exactly what we're seeing in the market right now. There's more supply out there and the demand is still strong, but you've got that demand spread out over a number of properties that have increased in supply. 
And that's going to help you because now you're able to go in with an offer that might be fifteen or 20000 over asking rather than seventy, eighty, ninety, or $100,000 over asking and be able to scoop a property. And if not, you know there's another one coming. So I wanted to ask you about those bidding wars. Are those stories true that we hear that houses are going fifty, eighty, one hundred thousand dollars over asking? They are, Tina. Those stories are uh, definitely true. Yikes! A- again, it has to be qualified because are these prices market value? And if they're being priced at market value, and you're starting to see them sell for fifty, eighty, a hundred, two hundred thousand over asking. That's a huge problem with our supply and demand equation. But, uh, you know, a lot of times when you look at these homes and, you know, a home that should be priced for a million dollars, the agent has just gone in and thrown a price out there of seven forty nine or six ninety nine. They know that house is not going to sell for around that price range. They know that's not market value. It's a lazy way out. The, the interesting thing about the market changing and going into more of a balanced market. It's still a seller's market by far, but there's more balance to it right now than there was last week or the week before. The interesting thing is going to be now agents have to do their homework. They have to come up with market pricing. They can't just pick a number out of a hat and throw it on a listing and hope for other realtors to do the work and you know, get the home sold I heard an agent in the Ottawa area quoted as saying, if you got in four months ago, you just made $100,000. Would you say the same is true here in Toronto and the GTA? I, I would say that. If you got in, uh, you know, September, October, there was not as much demand out there. And now with the demand increasing, you're starting to see people pay more for their homes. And once you see uh, prices appreciating like this, it scares people. It not only scares buyers, but also scares sellers. Uh, the other aspect of it is, will that still be a $100,000 difference in the next three or four months as prices start to level off? It may not be, but you still made sixty dollars or $80,000, and that's the significant uh, gain in terms of market value just in you know, four to six months. Do you think we're going to see some maybe government action or reaction to what's happening in the housing market? The scary part is the government sometimes overreacts and the people that are in charge of making those decisions have no idea what's actually happening in the marketplace. So they're coming in like we saw in you know 2017 when the government came in and implemented measures under the false pretense that it would cool the market. However, all they were doing was choking off demand and it did nothing to address the main issue, which is supply. So hopefully the new government understands that this is a supply issue and they're doing what they can to increase supply. I know that the uh, Toronto Real Estate Board has been an advocate of trying to get more supply and getting the government to speed up building permits and plans for uh, subdivisions for the builders. And that's going to be what helps the market. There's no government intervention that's going to come in or there's no CMHC or any type of intervention that could actually come in and cool the market down more than an increase in supply would do. The official start of spring is just around the corner. We're seeing double-digit temperatures this week and into next. What do you see in terms of the housing market? The housing market is still going to be strong. And, and the interesting thing is that even if this market cools, it's going to fuel sales because there's a lot of people that 
had, you know, they, if there was buyer fatigue in the market, Tina. People were tired of going out and losing offer after offer after offer, not only buyers, but agents as well. And they were just sitting on the sidelines waiting for inventory to hit so that they could go out and purchase homes. So now that that's happening, now that we're getting inventory, don't expect that inventory to sit around or to make it into a buyer's market. It's still going to be a seller's market but there's going to be a lot more sales coming up. And when you look at our sales for last year, remember March, April, May was when everything started to shut down. In fact, I think March 13th. So today is when the lockdown started last year. So it's been an, a year to the date. And if we look at what happened over the three months following the lockdown, you're going to see that the next three months, our sales will be astronomically better than what they were last year at that time. So we're sitting at 52% higher sales than January and February of last year. Just wait until we hit May and June, and you're going to start to see that number maybe hit 60 or 70, 80% higher, and then we'll start to level off. Wow, looking forward to the weeks and days ahead. After the break, a lesson about appraisals. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and over to my co-host Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties, and he has today's guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Marco Capito from Frontier Real Estate Appraisals, and Marco is the owner. Marco, welcome to the show. Pleasure. Marco, we've seen so many different values in, in terms of properties being sold uh, on in the same areas, and you know some are selling for a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars over asking. That's got to make your life difficult as an appraiser. What are you guys looking for when you're going out to these properties, and how do you make any sense of this? Good question. Um, when we're when we're looking at properties, you know, the first thing we need to do is acknowledge the home and its finishes. I mean, that's primary aspect of what our job's about. So when we walk through the property, we're basically kind of looking at what it finishes. You know, if we walk in and we say, okay, it's a single-family dwelling, a semi-detached, detached detached, um, home with above-average finishes, say, like, you know, granite countertops, uh, brand-new tiles, and, you know, our inspection is a general walkthrough. It's something like about, you know, five, ten minutes, acknowledging everything from its finishes to the location. Have you seen anything like what's going on right now in terms of the real estate market? Because there are bidding wars happening all the time. Have you experienced anything like this before? Yeah, I do remember. Uh, I can't remember the year, but I remember, you know, uh, my boss sending me to homes way back when and sitting on the driveway waiting for the bank to allow me to do inspections. And um, it seems that, you know, those kind of stages come and go. Um, now it's a little bit more difficult because there's the supply is very, very low and the demand is high, which makes our jobs a little difficult. But at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of indicators that kind of point to certain numbers. And with that said, I mean, with, you know, COVID being out there, 
you guys may not be able to get in as many properties as you can. So has that changed the way that you're conducting appraisals? Are, are some of these appraisals drive-bys again that we used to see before? Or are you able to get into every property and, and appraise it? Um, more or less 90% of my work we'd be able to go inside, and we go inside with PP equipment. But um, there are situations where, you know, people are uncomfortable, and uh, the association allows us to uh, get information of having the owner, the agent, other people who have a camera phone and send to us the photos. Um, we kind of guide them as the directions of what we're kind of looking for. Um, we take those photos, we input them in the, in the report, and we have to make a note of the reports, and we haven't inspected the property, but for whatever information we can get from these photos, we're going to kind of work with it. makes our, our job a little difficult, but we manage. Marco, we're hearing more of people having to call in a second opinion or a second appraisal because the first one did not meet the price point that was paid and the lender has to maybe reach out or the buyer uh, reaches out to get a second opinion. Is that happening more often and why is that happening? Is it very subjective or is there a procedure that takes place? Yeah, I mean, no two appraisers will come in the exact same number. I mean, if there were two appraisers looking at a semi-detached two-story in downtown Toronto, um, you know, when we do all our calculations, we'll come in with a general value range of X and Y. And once we have that, we basically determine through our own explanation saying, we think this will be the best number for that particular property. So, for example, if there's a home that's sold for a million dollars, uh, we do our calculation. If it goes within the range, then that's what we're kind of justifying. And if it doesn't come in the range, the appraiser must ask himself why. Going back, will two appraisers come in the exact same number? No. You know, I always relate it to experience. Once there's more experience, there's more confidence. When there's more confidence, people, you know, appraisers come in at a more accurate number. Now, in terms of your industry, how is it regulated? Are you licensed? Are you insured? How does that work? Yes, um, I have a license. Uh, the designation is a, a CRA, a Canadian Residential Appraiser. Um, we do have insurance. Uh, we pay every year and we pay dues. Uh, the association is called the Appraisal Institute of Canada, and we pay our dues every year. And with the lenders, Marco, you probably you probably have certain lenders that call you all the time. Do they have like a favorite lender? Can the buyer request who the appraiser is, or is it something that is specific to the lender? And are they letting you know what type of ratios they're looking for in terms of price points in the areas or anything like that? Um, so. I don't deal too much with a lot of lenders. Uh, I do more um, a lot of marital separations, capital gains, uh, relocation basis. But lenders, yeah, some institution has their favorites. Like they have a list of, of who they would like to choose, and they give that out to their clients, and their clients saying, you know, we'd like uh, an appraiser, and they say, okay, choose the following. Um, some institutions or credit unions are more free-for-all. They'll kind of go for the person that's located the closest to them. Um, but more or less, a lot of them kind of have their kind of favorite, and what they'll do is they'll have a list of five or ten that they'll can they get to choose from. So, Marco, uh, when it comes to lenders, 
Do you find that sometimes they will say, hey, this property needs to come in around this price? Do they give you any inclination of what a property sold for or was listed for? Where do you get that data from if you do? And does that play into your appraisal amount? So some institutions will tell us, you know, this property here was a purchase price of a million dollars, we'll say. And um, and then we'll ask for a copy of the purchase. They'll send it over to us just to confirm that it, it did sell for a million. Uh, there have been many scenarios over the past years that you know um, that value that these purchases were fraudulent. We'll say, and you know, it's up to us to kind of justify that particular number. And so you know, we use them as guidance. And at the end of the day, um, if they think it's worth a million. We'll just acknowledge that and kind of see whether or not if we can justify it. If we can't justify it, we're not going to put that number down. Again, we're acting in their best best interest, so they want to lend their money. They want their money back in case something happens, and we're responsible for that. And how much does a, a realtor's description of the property or information that can be found in the listing, how much does that play into your appraisal, or is it just basically a physical inspection that you go in for? Um, you know, would it help if the seller left a list of all the upgrades that they've done and, you know, prices that they've paid for these to make their home stand out from the rest? Would, would that be of help to the appraiser? Good question. I mean, most times, you know, listings have, you know, real estate agents are salespeople. They want to sell the home. They're going to write what they have to write uh, in order to sell the home. Um, you know, us as appraisers, we're kind of like uh, referees in a hockey game. You know, we're going inside there not being, you know, yes or no people. We're just kind of going there unbiased and kind of looking at things and kind of saying, okay, uh, I get what the, appra- uh, the agent was trying to say. Um, when we go, we always ask the um, owners uh, of a list, you know, is there anything you want to tell us? You know, is there any questions they have? Uh, you know, we're asking them questions. Holds the roof. What was the last thing you've done to the property? You know, the more information, better information you feel about coming up with numbers. That's awesome. Marco, there's, there's certainly been a lot of questions from our listeners on appraisals. If people have more questions for you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can reach me on my website, www.frontierappraiser.com, or they can reach me directly on my, at me at the office at 416 416- That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you on in the future. Thank you very much. When we come back, your questions and the hot listing. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions, and the first question comes from Jason in Unionville. He writes, I am purchasing a new build condo. Could you explain how condo fees are determined? Asif? Great question. And the condo fees when you're purchasing a new build are actually an estimate of where they believe their costs would be. So this is going to change. A a lot of the times you'll see in the 905, the condo fees might be around the 50 to 60 cents 
per square foot mark. And then that will end up changing once the condo building is completed, a board of directors is appointed, and the board of directors will make the necessary changes to the plan that the builder had put into place and say, you know, maybe we don't need 24-hour security. Maybe we do need 24-hour security. And, you know, that's what determines the actual cost. The other thing is the amenities that are in the building. The biggest drain on condo fees is a swimming pool. So if your building has a swimming pool, your condo fees will significantly be higher. But if it doesn't, then they'll be lower. There's a lot that goes into it. What's going to be included? What's not going to be included? You know, some buildings will include gas and water. Some will only include water. Some may not include water. So all of that factors into it. And in the end, it's a wash. If your utilities are included in your condo fees, uh, you'll pay a little bit higher in terms of condo fees. But if they're not, you'll have to pay utilities on the side anyway. So in the end, they're all relatively the same. And what about in terms of condo fees in the 905 compared to the downtown core? The downtown core is significantly higher than the 905. Uh, The 905 does not have high-rise buildings per se. Most of them are mid-rise or low-rise, and that keeps the cost down as well. You're starting to see a lot more buildings not put a pool in because, again, uh, a pool is the biggest drain. You're starting to see buildings with... uh, you know, a lot of uh, functions that can be uh, taken care of electronically or remotely instead of having a concierge service 24 hours a day. Or if there's two buildings in one of the developments, they might centralize the concierge or the security to one building. So you're sharing with everyone in it. But because the condo buildings downtown are mostly high-rise, there's a lot more costs associated with the upkeep of those buildings, the maintenance of those buildings. You're going to have a higher condo cost, a condo fee cost. Our next question comes from Helena in Thornhill. She wants to know if there is a market for a basement apartment and what does she need to do to prepare to rent the space? There is. There's definitely uh, a demand for basement apartments because there's not a lot of affordable housing around. And when you do have a basement apartment, you have to check with the municipality if it's legal or not. But there's definitely demand for affordable housing. And you just have to make it uh, you know, safe for people to live there, uh, make sure that you have all the uh, precautions in place. And uh, the biggest thing with basement apartments that we find is the parking. So if you are including a parking spot, that's where sometimes tenants get into arguments with each other or there's some bad blood between the owners and the the basement tenants because they want to be able to park their car or have access to their car. And it it just depends on the parking situation, the driveway. And the other thing is quiet enjoyment of the property. If you've got little kids running around upstairs, that's going to disturb the tenants downstairs. If you've got noisy tenants, that's going to disturb the people upstairs. So you want to make sure that you address all of those situations before getting into a lease of a basement apartment. All right. Good advice there. Asif, this week's hot listing, what can you tell us? This week, Tina, we've got a fabulous home in Markham. And this is just off of Baroque Avenue. And it is on Osmond Appleton. This is a great little quiet street. It's right around the uh, Markham Road and Baroque area, which is uh, north of 16th Avenue, south of Major McKenzie. And this home has it 
all. It's priced at $1.15 million. So for a detached home, this is a three plus one bedroom. So three bedrooms upstairs, one bedroom in the basement, four bathrooms in this property. It's a finished basement. It's a five minute walk to Mount Joy Go Station. So you don't even need a car here. It's got lots of recent updates, including hardwood floors, California shutters. This home also has direct access from the garage into the home, which a lot of these homes, when they were built, they didn't have that. So the owners of this property thought of everything when they were having this built. And, uh, you know, most of the similar homes in this area recently have sold for more than $1.2 million. I think the most recent one was $1.23 million. So at $1.15, this is priced to sell quickly. And uh, if you have any questions about this property, it's best to contact Arsalan Siddiqui at 905-554-5522. That's terrific. And Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they do that? You know, they can always reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. And that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of On the Market, go to 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.